Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yes! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech. Executive producer here at vidIQ, and we have some YouTube news I want to share with y'all real quick. They just released an updated video on the Creator Insider channel. So let's talk about some of the things that YouTube wants to accomplish in 2022. Firstly, the most important thing that they are trying to do, at least right now, is they want to bring the mobile Creator Studio app to parity with the functionality that we have on the desktop app. So in this video, they're talking about making updates to the mobile Creator Studio app by way of allowing us to upload videos, whether they be regular videos on demand or YouTube shorts, allowing us to do that from the mobile Creator Studio app, which currently we cannot do. So that would be a much welcome update to the Creator Studio app, being able to upload actual videos from the app, because I know a lot of creators still do things mobily. And I think right now you can only do that if you open the actual YouTube app and not the Creator Studio app. But I'm pretty sure most creators spend probably more time in the studio app than they do on the actual YouTube app as it relates to their channels and managing their channels. So being able to upload videos directly from the Creator Studio app, definitely a go. They also want to update the navigation and the dashboard for the mobile app. So we can expect some updates to that in the future this year. That'll be cool. They also want to add the ability to reuse details on mobile. So I think on desktop, you have the option to reuse detail from a prior video, but that's not present yet on mobile, but they are working to bring that feature to mobile as well. So that is something. And lastly, what they want to do is they want to add pre-check to mobile. So once we have the ability to upload videos via the mobile app, they are also going to add the check that they do on a desktop. You'll be able to go through those same checks via the mobile application. Again, the fact that YouTube is looking to bring the mobile app to parity with the desktop app, definitely a welcome addition. Makes it a lot easier instead of having to pull out your computer and do all that stuff to get the full desktop experience. Sounds like by the end of the year, we'll be able to do all of that via the mobile Creator Studio app. And that is a good look. Before I go any further, I want to shout out some of the tweets that you all have been sending me via vidIQ on Twitter. I tell you guys, if you want to have a chance to be on a podcast, just tweet at us at vidIQ. Make sure you are using the hashtag TubeTalk so I can easily locate the tweet. First tweet comes from Neil Schaefer. He loves the podcast, says it's educational and actionable. Definitely, Neil, I appreciate the love, man. Thank you so, so much. I try to do these episodes in such a way where you will gain value as creators. You'll be able to learn something and hopefully take something away from the podcast each and every episode and apply it to your own creator journey. So the fact that you feel that it's actionable, definitely appreciate that, Neil. Next up from Jeff, the Colorado whiskey guy says the podcast is great for any content creator. He loves the energy and excitement. I appreciate you. If anybody who knows me personally knows that Viper is not about being boring and monotone, that's just not my style. So I try to bring some flair and energy to the podcast. So I appreciate that Jeff is digging what I'm putting down here. But more importantly, like I said a minute ago, the podcast is designed to bring value to you as creators and not just the typical how to grow subs and views and all that stuff. I try to cover the more nuanced aspects of being a creator here on the podcast. So I'm glad that you guys are finding value. And lastly, we have a tweet from IK Dave. Appreciate you, Dave. He uh, loved last week's episode where I talked to you all about not being defined by your vanity metric. So definitely appreciate the love about that, Dave. Hopefully you found some value in that podcast and it sounds like you enjoyed it. So appreciate the shout out on Twitter, Dave. So thank you. Which brings me to this episode 
You know, working with vidIQ, I come across a lot of comments from creators talking about how they can't do YouTube or they can't put their full focus to YouTube because they have a family or they have a full-time job or they have kids. They have all sorts of hurdles that are stopping them from devoting their time to YouTube. And I said it once and I'll say it again. If you want something bad enough, you will make a way. So this week, I brought in my man, Trent from Trent Tech, to talk to us about how he navigates the hurdles that he has in his life in order to make YouTube content on a consistent basis, make quality content. He has a kid. He has a significant other. He also has a full-time job. So some of the very obstacles that seem to stop some of you from being a content creator, Trenton is dealing with on a day-to-day basis and still finds the time to create content and get it done. So today we're going to be talking about how to achieve balance and facing everything that you have in your real life, but still being able to put out quality YouTube content. On that note, I'm going to wind this intro down and let's go ahead and talk to my man Trenton and let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. And this week we have a good friend of mine who makes tech videos on YouTube. My man Trenton from the channel Trent Tech. What's up Trenton? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. The reason why I wanted to bring you on today, Trent, because a lot of times creators, uh, when we talk about making content and being consistent and things like that, they talk about how they don't have enough time to make videos or they have different obstacles in place. But I wanted to bring you on here because you are doing it. You make content on a consistent basis. Obviously, you have a lot going on. You have a full-time job. You have a family. You have a kid. You're doing all the things. So hopefully, you can provide some wisdom to the creators out there that are going through it. My first question for you tonight, sir, is what brought you to YouTube? I originally came to YouTube because I don't know if it was because uh, of like the Call of Duty scene, but I saw a lot of people who were making like the Call of Duty videos or whatnot, and I thought I could do the same thing. So originally, it started off as a gaming channel called Demolition Trent, and I uploaded two Call of Duty videos, and then I gave up. <laughs> and yeah. after that, I kind of went back to watching YouTube. And then I think I came across Casey Neistat and saw him flying a drone and riding a skateboard. And for some reason, I told myself, I'm like, oh, I can do that. And let's just say I failed miserably. (laughs) So the third time around, I decided I was going to do a tech channel because I'm in IT. So what do I deal with all day, every day, which is tech. And I really didn't start off with talking about computers or, you know, tips and tricks or anything like that. I actually kind of started with phones because I was just really into phones. Uh, You could always catch me at a T-Mobile or Verizon store looking at phones. And when I started to see that there were other people who were doing channels about phones and talking about them, that's when I actually uh, started up my channel. So pretty much from there, it's been all about tech. Awesome. So now you make content about tech. How long have you been on YouTube? Technically, I started my channel in 2013. I forget the month, but I really didn't take YouTube seriously until I'd say around 2017. So I guess if we're counting from the time I took it seriously, it's almost five years, if my math is right. Yeah. Okay. I guess we could talk about the four years at the beginning where you didn't take it seriously. What happened there? Like, why didn't you take it seriously? Did you have to have a lot of other things going on or were you just not interested into YouTube at the time or what happened there? Most of it was, I just didn't know. And a lot of information back then was all over the place. There's way more information now and there's way more of a guide. Whereas back then you had no idea what worked. 
back in, you know, 2013, 2014, I had no idea what an average view duration was. <laughs> and the trend back then was it wasn't for you to make long form content. It was literally for you to make short videos, short, quick, straight to the point videos. And the shorter the video, a lot of times, if you got a bunch of views on a short video, YouTube was like, cool. If you make a 16 minute long video, they really didn't seem to care. If you made a movie, they really didn't seem to care. It was just all about, you know, viral videos and blowing up. And personally, I I didn't know how to blow up. I didn't know how to do anything. I literally thought, okay, you turn on the camera and you upload. I didn't know anything about SEO. I didn't even hear about SEO until I saw a Roberto Blake video. <laughs> so when I say taking it seriously, it's because, you know, you don't know. It's just like if you start off a hobby and nobody tells you anything, you just you kind of live in your own bubble and kind of go from there. But I just looked at YouTube as it was just a hobby. Gotcha. OK, that makes sense. So you took it seriously about five years ago. And obviously you've been making content consistently for the past five years. You are about right now at 8000 subscribers. So. I want to talk about how you got to the point where you are right now, as far as your frequency of with uploading content, your schedule. How do you get around a thing that probably have more priority than YouTube, but you still make time for YouTube? So I'm going to start with TJ, your little son. Obviously, I mean, I have live streamed with you. I watch live streaming with you where sometimes TJ will make an appearance, you know, and obviously having a young child that kind of mess with trying to find time to record videos and different things like that. So for the parents out there that want to make content, but are obviously they may, they may have young kids or maybe more than one kid. How did you like integrate making YouTube videos into being a father and, and making that work? So what my philosophy is, and cause I don't, I don't want to tell anybody how to raise their kid, but what I do is TJ is the priority in my life. So he comes first. So usually what I will do is I will record when he's sleeping or usually when he's preoccupied, but any sort of YouTube recording or anything is always done post spending time with my kid. So for example, you know, I'll go to work and I'll work for eight hours and I'll come home instead of hopping directly onto my camera and making a video and shooting it. If he's here, then I'm spending time with him. And I don't have a time limit with how much time I spend with my kid. So if I get off of work and I come home and my kid says, hey, dad, I want you to watch a movie with me. I will sit there and watch the entire movie. If he says, hey, I want to play, we'll play. If he says, hey, I want to go to the store, we'll go to the store. And I will make up the time for YouTube later because I can't make up the time with my kid. Kids generally... If you make them the priority and you spend the time with them up front, then they're more lenient to let you do whatever later. Because there's sometimes I'll spend so much time with TJ, you know, three or four hours straight. And he's like, OK, I'm good. Like, I want to go do my own thing. I'm like, all right, cool. So now I've already put that time in with my kid. Now I can go work on YouTube or work on whatever and be perfectly fine because my kid isn't clamoring for my attention because he hasn't seen me all day. And I've kind of seen in the past where sometimes somebody, you know, they wake up, they go to work. So they're not seeing their kid because their kid is still asleep. They spend eight hours at work. Then they come home. So that's almost, you know, last time you saw your kid was 14 hours ago. Their kid is happy and ready to see them, but they're like, I got to knock this out for YouTube. And then before you know it, almost 18 hours have gone past before you've even, 
you know, shared a meal with your kid or spent time with your kid or whatnot. And I just kind of see that disconnect in family sometimes. And I don't want that to happen to me. I think that is very admirable how you put your kid first. You're like, I'm going to spend time with my kid. My kid is the priority. And once everything is done with my kid and he's taken care of, you'll go ahead and you'll make the YouTube stuff. How old is TJ right now? Oh, he's four. So we're talking about a four-year-old and we know how young kids are. They need constant love and attention. So it's, it's not like it's just a short thing. You give him like 30 minutes of attention and, and that's over. No, you got to spend time with him to make sure that he has the love that he needs and that his needs and everything are taken care of. And then you focus on the YouTube stuff. So that's pretty cool, man. Appreciate that perspective. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. So when you were talking about making time for TJ, you mentioned coming home from work and everything like that. So that's probably the next distraction that you have as far as making content. You have a regular day job, a full-time nine-to-five job. So how does that fit into how you make content? Because again, people say, well, I can't make YouTube videos because I have a full-time job, this, that, and the other. But clearly, again, you are doing it. You have made it work. So how do you work around having a full-time job and still are able to consistently pump out quality content? Well, lucky for me and um, I guess in my niche or wheelhouse or whatnot, a lot of stuff is available online. So during my downtimes at work, I'll be on Twitter and there's plenty of Twitter news to follow between Apple News, Samsung News, discussions that other creators are having, discussions that regular people are having that can turn into video topics. So I'm mainly using my phone nine times out of 10 if I have to talk about something that's, you know, where I don't have the product. If I do have the product, I'm using it throughout the day. So for example, for me to talk about the S22 Ultra, I used the S22 Ultra throughout the day and I would plan certain times to do stuff. So if I said, hey, I want to do a camera test, but I only have an hour, you know, once I get off of work, I have about an hour to go record it, get the sun and light and everything. I'm going to make the most of that hour. I'm not going to sit here and try and spend, you know, several days to make one video. That's just basically what I do is just kind of managing the time. And I don't have a consistent schedule because life changes. There will be some times where I have to record after work. There will be some times that I have to wake up two hours prior to when I normally get up. So like, let's say I get up at 6 a.m. I have to get up at four, do all my chores or whatever I need to, to get ready at four, record from 4.30 to five, edit from 5.30 to 6 and then hit upload and schedule it as I'm walking out the door. So it's all about, you know, picking and choosing when I have time available. And with a job, you don't always have that consistent time. Right. So would you say that due to your job, you make most of your content in the morning before you go to work or do you make some content sometime after you get off work? Yes. So <laughs> I've I've made content before work, I've made content on my lunch break, and I've made content after work. And it all depends on what's necessary for the video. So I am a person that I don't have a constant style that I have to maintain. Meaning if it's a video that only has to be five minutes, I'll pull my phone out and record the video in five minutes. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't have to be on my DSLR mirrorless camera for every single video. Some days, if a ZV-1 is more convenient, I'll pull that out. If I come home and I got time and everything set up with my A7C, then I'll record it there. But 
I've accepted the fact that I'm giving up the constant quality for being able to make sure I consistently put out videos. Okay. And speaking of this, you are probably one of the most versatile creators that I have ever seen on the platform because I have seen videos where you will literally film them in your car. So talk about what goes into filming content while you're sitting in the car, because obviously, you know, that's a unique thing in and of itself. Well, the beauty of a car, and this is where I think a lot of people underrate this or they don't think about it. A car is a mobile studio on wheels. So if I come home and let's say the house is loud, like everything's going on, no amount of soundproofing is going to be able to drown out the noise. Anybody, if you own a car, you can go get in your car. And when you close that door, it's pretty much almost soundproof unless you have people yelling around you or unless you're in traffic. You can take your car, drive to a park, drive to the beach, drive to a mountain, drive anywhere. You can drive behind a Walmart and just sit there and just record something for five minutes and have your phone up. And I've actually gotten better sound quality out of my car than I've gotten in other places. Mm. It's kind of a comfortable thing. Like, you know, you're already sitting in your car seat. It's a very relatable thing because most of us spend our time inside of a car. So having that environment there and not being in a studio with $50,000 worth of lights, just seeing somebody pull out a camera in their car and talk to someone, that is very relatable. I would definitely agree with that. The relatability of the content that you make is amazing, especially like I said, the car videos. I mean, because like you said, anybody could just pull out their phone. I'll prop it up in the car somewhere and record. And what you said about the sound quality that you get in your car, like literally when you close the car door, like you said, it's almost nearly soundproof. It's kind of amazing the sound that car can keep out. If you have the car door closed, the windows rolled up. Yeah, you can get some pretty good soundproofing almost in there. It's legit. Yep. The other cool thing about recording in your car is that depending on the weather or the day outside, you'll get some of the best lighting ever if the sun is out recording in your car. It's absolutely amazing the lighting that you can get for videos outside for sure. Yeah, that's the other thing is uh, a lot of people, let's say they don't have equipment, they don't have lights and they don't have like the best space. Usually, as long as you take your car and you point it wherever the sun is, you should have some decent lighting. Let's say it's a cloudy day. And I've done this plenty of times. And, you know, a lot of people hate like cloudy days or like it's dreary or whatever. A cloudy day is the best source of lighting that you'll ever get because it's a very soft white light. It's like the biggest soft box that you could put on the world. And no matter which way you're facing, as long as there's sunlight in the clouds, you're fine. Like your picture is not overblown out. And if you have a phone, which usually needs a lot of light, that's like the perfect amount of lighting anyway. Yeah. Mother Nature sometimes provides the best lighting you can ever find in a video. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's channel audit tool, a sort of report card for how your YouTube channel has been performing. When you're in your YouTube studio, the channel audit tool can be found on the left-hand side once you've installed vidIQ on either your Chrome or Firefox browser. As long as you've authenticated your channel, clicking on channel audit will give you a bird's eye view of your videos from the last 30, 60, or even 90 days. I personally use this tool to look for patterns with my content. What types of videos are currently getting the most views per hour? Which videos drove a lot of viewers to subscribe? What types of videos are my competitors creating and how do mine compare? What are the search terms bringing people to my channel in the first place? 
And if this is sounding like a lot of questions, well, that's probably because I ask too many questions. But that's why I love this tool, because I can get answers to all of them and more. You can access the channel audit tool for free when you download the vidIQ extension at vidIQ.com. So that brings me, Trenton, to the other thing that you uh, obviously have going on in your life, and that is you have a significant other. And we all know anybody that has or has had a significant other knows how much time you have to spend with that person. And I know situations are different depending on the relationship, but I'm just curious, like, how do you work with your significant other to uh, get your recording time in, especially given the fact that you you have a child? So it's kind of like the same thing where... You know, if I come home and, you know, we want to go do stuff together, we're going to go do it. Like, I'm not going to be like, I got to record this video. Like, (laughs) I don't think I've ever said that in response to, you know, like, hey, let's go to a Cavs game. I got to record this video. Or, hey, let's go to dinner. I got to record. Like, no, I don't have that in me because for me, it's not that serious yet. And if it ever became that serious, I would have a specific time to where I would treat it like a job and say, okay, between the hours of eight and four, I'm working on YouTube. Anytime after that, I'm free, just like a regular job. And the other cool thing, the way that we balance it out is that we're both gamers. So I'm definitely on Xbox. She's on Xbox. If she's going to go upstairs and play Call of Duty for three hours and be completely wrapped in it and do all that stuff, well, that's three hours I can dedicate towards recording if nothing else is going on. So we're also on different schedules. So she works nights like she works overnights. So essentially, like she goes to work later at night and then she comes home in the morning. So she'll be at work. TJ will have gone to bed and then I usually have about an hour and a half before I go to sleep to where the house is just quiet and not record. Or if I'm off and she comes home, she'll go to sleep. TJ will still be asleep because he sleeps in late and I'll record while everybody is asleep. That makes sense. It's always a way, you know, as long as there's communication and you're working with each other, there should be a way for you to get things done that you need to get done as long as there's uh, adequate communication involved. For sure. Seems like you got that going on. Yep. All right. Another thing I want to talk to you about is gear. Again, we're talking about balancing and obstacles and hurdles and different things like that on your way to being a YouTube creator today on the podcast. And another thing that I hear a lot of creators say is that I don't have the right gear or I don't have the money to afford proper gear, this, that, and the other. Again, as we've been talking to Trenton, we know that the man has a significant other. He has a kid. So, you know, I mean, as much as I, I could pick on him about being rich, I mean, Trenton has things they have to deal with. So, you are interested because you you have a very uh, particular journey as far as how you have attained your gear. So talk to us about the evolution of the gear that you've used to make videos over the years. I will say this, like I've told everybody else, when it has come to gear, I have made every single mistake that any beginning creator could possibly make. I've purchased cameras that I didn't know how to use. I've purchased microphones I didn't know how to use. I've gotten lighting I didn't know how to use. I've spent my tax return on gear. I've used my credit card on gear and went into debt and then ended up having to sell the gear later on. So to make a long story short, I literally looked at all of the other creators who were above me and had their gear and I was purchasing that gear and using it because I thought that is what was going to make it for me as a creator was having the same gear, but it wasn't. And 
I went too hard, too fast and put myself a lot of times in a bad situation by doing that. So after I took some steps back and sold a lot of stuff and went back to basics, I started to learn more about sound quality and what would actually be a decent sound. And I'm not saying to the point of sound engineering, I'm just saying to the point of if you're going to have a camera, but you're going to have bad audio, then it doesn't make sense to have a good camera. You might as well have a phone where the audio quality matches the video quality. And then slowly over time, you start to figure out what can make my life easier. It's not about the look all the time. It's about what makes your life easier. So for example, it doesn't make sense for me to get a camera that can only record 30 minutes, no matter how good it looks, because a lot of times you're going to have to take breaks or you might have to pause or you might have to stop. And nobody wants to constantly hit start and stop on a camera. Sometimes you just want to get up and walk away and still have a record and then you just edit it out later. But for me, having a camera that only goes 30 minutes doesn't make sense. So I would get gear that was tailored to my life. I started off a Canon. I love Canon. I'm still a fan of Canon to this day, but most of their entry level gear does not have unlimited recording. So I can't have a Canon camera in my life. I have a ZV-1 and it's a very cheap camera. And honestly, it's an all-in-one camera. I don't have to buy a lens for it. I don't have to get an ND filter. The autofocus is great. So for people who don't have money, use your phone, learn how to use your phone to the best of your ability. If you have some money, but you don't want to break the bank, find the piece of gear that's going to solve the most amount of problems but also be the easiest thing that you can use. So my current setup, if anybody was wondering, is I have iPhone 13 Pro Max. So technically, if I wanted to, I could shoot the video on the 13 Pro Max. I can edit it on LumaFusion. So if somebody doesn't have any money, you don't have money for Final Cut, get an iPhone and get LumaFusion and edit on your phone because LumaFusion is very similar to Final Cut. And LumaFusion's like, I think 30 bucks. It's a, the cheapest you'll ever spend on a video editor that, that's really good. And from your phone, you can upload directly to YouTube. Beyond that, the next piece of gear is the ZV-1. You can find them for maybe around 600 bucks on eBay, but they retail for 799. They have a flip out screen. It's literally almost a cheat code for a lot of beginning creators because you really don't have to do that much. And then beyond that, I still have an A7C, mainly due to the fact that a lot of people told me I didn't need a full frame camera and I just wanted one just so I could see how the other side lived. And even though I don't need it, I still see the benefit in having one. And I guess the last part is you're just going to have to save up money. And that's just something that people don't say a whole lot is after a certain point, if you do want to get other gear and you don't have money, you got to do two things. You either have to save money or you have to find a way to make more money. So if you're saving money, then if you say I'm broke, you need to go look at your budget and say, okay, what can I cut out or what can I reduce so I can have money put to the side so I can use that money towards what I want. Sometimes that means, okay, well, uh, this month, I'm not going to go spend $100 at Dave & Buster's. I have a really good time at Dave & Buster's, 
but I'm not going to go spend a hundred dollars at Dave and Buster's to go try and get tickets for prizes. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the hundred bucks and I'm going to save it. Or if you're maxed out, you say, okay, well, how can I get a hundred dollars? Am I going to have to sell something? Am I going to have to cut someone's lawn? Am I going to have to do something for somebody else, like fix a computer or whatever to build up some money? And then you go about it that way. Like, I understand people who are like, you know, destitute and stuff, but most of the people I talk to, they're like, I don't have money for camera. Like, I don't have money for a $500 camera. They, they'll spend $500 in a month on something that they don't need. So you can either, you know, save up over one month, save up over multiple months. But the key is you have to put some money to the side. Absolutely. So it's funny you say that because I just recently purchased the new Sony A7 IV, but I saved up for like three months to be able to afford it because obviously it's not it's not a cheap camera. So you make a good point where if you want to get a certain piece of equipment, like you said, you got to save up for it. I mean, that's just what it is. I will also argue, and I think I've told people this before, that you should only upgrade or get new gear if you can either make money off of it or actually if it will pay for itself or if it will make your process faster. If it's not going to pay for itself or if it's not going to make your process faster, you don't need it. Yeah, uh, pretty much anybody starting off, that's going to be the that's going to be your number one thing is whatever you buy, you're not going to make a return on it out the gate because you have to get your 4000 watch hours. You have to get your 1000 subs. Generally, gear is not going to get you a thousand subs. It's not going to get you 4,000 watch hours. Nope. What's going to get you that is your content and your content. When you're starting out, it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be information or it's going to be entertainment. So you're either telling somebody how to do something, showing someone how to do something, and you might be saving them time. You might be saving them money. You might be educating them. And as you make more videos and keep them, you know, consistent and relevant, your watch hours and your subscribers will build. If you had a $50,000 camera, but didn't know what to record, you're not going to make money off of that. And then the same thing with entertainment. You got people running around on TikTok, entertaining people with phones and stuff like that. And that requires a whole different skill set and talent. But the phone is not the limiting factor. It's the talent and the creativity of the creator. So usually I, I just say, don't worry about the gear in the beginning, you know. And to be honest, since we're talking about when we started, gear in 2022 is on a different level than it was in 2013. Hmm, yep. You can find so many budget solutions. You can go get a GoPro, let's say an old one. Let's say you get like a GoPro Hero 7. You should be able to find those things on eBay for like 130 bucks. And you could start recording your videos with a GoPro. Is the audio going to be amazing? No. Is the video going to be great? Not really, but it's just good enough for you to get started. And then once you got the ball rolling, then buy all the extra stuff later on. But right now, I mean, I know D. Nimmin and uh, Nick Nimmin made a bunch of content on how to get started. And especially D, he made a whole bunch of videos on how just to just do everything with your phone. And you can really do more if you stick to the basics. You just can't fall into the trap of looking at what the top creators use because you're not in that position that they're in. So you can't afford to do what they're doing. Definitely. I think a lot of times too many creators try to compare their day one to another creator year five. It's, it's not going to work. 
and I agree with you uh, today, capable gear is much more easier to acquire at more affordable prices than ever before. So don't come in here thinking you got to spend top tier dollars to get capable gear. You really don't. There's a lot of nice budget gear out there that you can get that's much more cost efficient than trying to spend thousands of dollars and going debt for sure. I also uh, I want to talk to you about your editing process because I know you recently you made a comment that you don't really edit your video per se. So I think our, curi- our listeners are curious to wonder, Trent, how do you go about doing that? How does that work for you exactly? So what I started to notice is that I am not a video editor. And I say that realizing that when it comes to making tech videos and editing and doing transitions and making sure you have lighting and having a script and having B-roll shots. I don't do very well at that. Now, could I dedicate more time to it? Sure. I've tried to learn some you know, basics in the past by imitating other people. But one thing I noticed is that I have a talent for talking per se. So usually, as long as you can keep a conversation going, people will listen. And a lot of times where most people struggle is that when they're recording and they're talking to a camera, there's not much feedback. So you kind of feel like you're just talking to yourself and it feels very awkward. I've gotten to the point to where over time I can talk and I can keep my mind going as if I was having a conversation with someone in real life. So that facilitates my need of one, not having to edit because I'm having the conversation and I'm talking to people and I'm keeping it going. I'm also able to keep it interesting and stay on topic. Two, the other thing that I realized was that the videos that I was editing, I was spending, and this was like a couple of years ago, I was spending five or six hours worried about editing, worried about all these little things. Whereas now, I can just record a video and drop it and either have the same performance as a five to six hour edited video where I just, you know, instead of this video where I just talk for like 15 minutes, I'm saving hours of time just by talking directly to the camera. And, you know, it's good quality. It's good audio. People can follow along with what I'm saying. The other other reason why I stopped editing is because the rise in podcasting per se. So right now, for example, we are on a podcast. There's really not going to be any editing to this except beyond audio. Everything that we're doing right now is we're talking, we're having a conversation, I'm providing information, and it's on the fly. Generally, what I've noticed is that people have gravitated more towards podcasting and gravitated more towards people who are able to hold a conversation, who are able to give their one take and get it all out at once instead of highly produced, highly edited videos. Because with that editing, you kind of know that you're missing out on something. Whereas if you talk straight to the camera, it's straight to the camera, no edits. It also personalizes you a little bit more. I've had people come into my comment section and they're like, I really appreciate this video because I feel like it's a real person talking to me. I feel like it's a conversation to where I can just listen. And then like, if I don't want to look at the screen, I don't have to, you know, the information is still coming through with my voice. And there's not many people in the tech community 
that do this. Like in the tech community, there's a huge laundry list of people who have Sony A7 cameras, who have MacBooks and Mac minis and M1s and all this stuff and have productions and studios and all that stuff. So you kind of get looped into the crowd of being similar. However, there's not many people who can just turn on the camera, talk about a product and tell you everything you need to know. One of the people that I follow is Flossie Carter. Flossie Carter can turn on the camera and he can tell you every single thing that you need to know about a phone in one take. There are more people today who don't want to watch multiple videos to get the answer that they're looking for. There are people out there that's like, okay, if I got to watch one video and someone's going to tell me everything, I'm going to go watch Flossie Carter. He can give me all the information and he's entertaining. On the flip side, you have another creator that's called Jimmy is Promo, where he has a lot of tutorial videos that are very straightforward, not edited or whatnot. And he has a very huge following because not many people will tell you how to use a phone or even cover the phone after two weeks. So I decided that I would just kind of slip in the middle to where like, you know, sometimes Flossie Carter, you know, has some very colorful language. And in my video, I won't have it. I'm kind of just like a little bit more chill, conversationalist. And I'm different from Jimmy because he has a whole different presentation. I'm more so just talking, you know, just straight on. You know, I don't have like a top down view or anything like that. So that's where I kind of just found my lane. And I'm just sticking with that because it's working. And the hardest thing that you have to get over as a creator is that Sometimes what works isn't what you want, but you got to do what works long enough so you can get to the point that you can do what you want. Mm. Well said, man. Well said. I think, like you said, it's very important that once you identify what works and what is resonating with the audience, keep rocking with it. Don't try to be different for the sake of being different. If you can just turn the camera on and talk to the people without having to do fancy motion graphics and B-roll, then do that. Um, like you said, even if you want to be more fancy, just doing what works in the beginning can eventually get you to a level where you can be more fancy if you want to do that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it's all about the viewer and what they want and what they need from you as a creator. As long as you're meeting their needs, then everything else is just bonus on top of that. So, uh, Trenton, any advice to new creators that are possibly in, similar, in a similar situation like you? They have the family, they got the young child, they have a full-time job and they feel like it's a little bit too much to be doing YouTube. Any advice for them? Take it slow. And this is the way that I do it because you have to. When you're someone that has responsibilities, it's a different world. If you're single and let's say you live by yourself, your only responsibility is you or a cat or something like that, then by all means, do whatever you want to do. If you want to upload every day, upload every day. If you want to learn how to edit and make the most fanciest videos or whatever, go do that. But when you have responsibilities, you have to attend to your responsibilities first, and then you have to figure out a way to make your content work in the time constraint that you have. Now, if you can't make your content work, then you have to do one of two things. You may have to find another way of doing it or another niche or maybe something different that you can maintain or 
you might have to, you know, spend some money and get some stuff that's going to make things faster or make life easier. Like it's a tough thing to say to people because you always want to present a solution, but you are in a different situation that someone else's isn't in. A 17 year old kid who doesn't have to pay rent, who doesn't have to take their kid back and forth to school, who doesn't have to go to a job that doesn't have to pay a mortgage and pay for insurance and do all these other things that you have to do. Yes, they have an advantage because they have time, but usually you have more money than that kid has. So you can kind of find a way to balance it out. Don't get discouraged if, and I see this all the time. Someone's like, you know, yeah, I upload daily. Cool. If you upload daily, that is great for you. I cannot upload daily. It doesn't fit my lifestyle and I'm not going to kill myself to upload every single day to meet someone else's lifestyle. I'm going to do what works for me because when you do what works for you, there's less stress involved. But if you're constantly chasing somebody else, you're going to get stressed out. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to want to quit. You're going to question yourself why you're even doing it because you're trying to attain something that someone else already has, but that's not your current lifestyle. So if you're somebody that's really, really busy and you're trying to make content and you're struggling, Go find somebody else that's really, really busy and they're making content and ask them, how are you making this work? What do you do? And people generally will help out if you're asking how to do something. It's one thing if you go to a larger creator and you say, oh, hey, man, could you shout out my channel? Because I'm not really growing. You know, like nobody really wants to do that because you're messing with people's audiences. But if you came to me and you say, hey, I wake up at 6 a.m. I drive an hour to work. I work for eight hours a day. I drive another hour home. I have a kid that I have to spend time with and watch Disney Plus and Turning Red. And I have to keep my relationship going. How do I find time for YouTube? And I would tell you, make content as easy as you can make it. Don't worry about that camera. Don't worry about anything else. Just get your content out and build the content up. And later on, after you built up the content and you kind of have an audience, then you can start taking chances with stuff. But until then, you literally got to work with the time that you have. But you absolutely got to do your responsibilities. You can't, you know, no one's watching a homeless YouTuber because they're homeless because they decided not to pay their rent and they decided to buy a camera. Like no one's (laughs) no one's doing that. No. So responsibilities are responsibilities. I think every individual has to find a way to overcome the obstacles and hurdles that they have in their life if they want to do YouTube. Trenton, always a pleasure, man. If the people want to follow you, where is the best place to follow you on the internet? Uh, you can guys can uh, find me on Twitter at Trent's Tech. Uh, you don't have to put the apostrophe in there. You can just do Trent's T-R-E-N-T-S-T-E-C-H. And you can also find me on YouTube at Trent's Tech. That is awesome. Appreciate you all listening to another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ for Trenton. I am Viper. I will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.